Father God, in this moment of holiness, we acknowledge that you are the God and King of heaven and earth. I pray that every individual child, family member, father, mother, husband, wife in this room will open their hearts to your holiness in this moment as we open your word. Amen. It's been a little bit since I've had the privilege to preach here. Will Murphy came last month during my um, vacation, and I felt that when I heard him preach that I should probably never preach again. We just have Will do it. He did an amazing job. I um, met a couple of you that have never been here before. You've got some Advent Health uh, interns. Um, welcome. And uh, also some Advent Health University nursing students, first time coming here. I want to welcome you. If this is your first time ever coming to Warehouse Community, um, I want you to come afterwards, come talk to me. Pastor Juan is down here on the front row. Pastor Justin was just here uh, leading worship. We would love to get you connected to our community and, um, and just love to get to know you. So come afterwards and uh, chat with us. Be annoying about it because there's a lot of people that come and I'm, you know, I will finish a conversation uh, to talk with somebody brand new here. I'd love to, love to get an, um, acquainted with each of you. So I wanted to ask a couple questions this morning. Um, how many of you have ever experienced the horrible word, two-letter word, of somebody telling you no. No. It's horrible sounding, right? So we don't like to hear, our human nature does not like to hear the word no. When was the last time you've gone to the grocery store? And maybe you can remember this as a kid. You go to the grocery store with your mom. And you walk down every single aisle, and there is always something that you wanted as a kid down every single aisle. Mama, can I have this? No. Then you go to the next aisle. Mama, can I have this cereal? You go down to the next aisle because you hear a no. And then I do believe, now this is a conspiracy theory of mine, that the human that created the candy stand at the cashier hated parents. Because you're in line for a little bit, and the kid is just looking at all of the bubble gums, all of the mints, all of the candies, and all of the candy bars. Mama, this is the last time for this kid. You may have been one of those kids. Mama, please. Can I have this bubble gum? No. Mama, can't. Mama can I have this, this candy bar? No, please, Mama, please. I'll go home. I'll do my chores. I love you, Mama. I love you. No. And then I don't know if you were the kid that had the public meltdown. Um, some of you may have been that kid that had the public meltdown, or you witnessed the public meltdown. My um, 
nephew somewhere in here, Marcus, I was having a conversation with him a couple weeks ago. I said, Marcus, we were cooking together. I said, Marcus, tell me the biggest reason why guys who are attracted to a girl don't ask that girl out on a date. Uh, uh. He didn't have an answer to that. I said, Deborah. Deborah was right around the corner. I said, What's the number one reason why guys don't ask girls out on a date? Rejection. It's that two letter word no. Oh, that's nice. That's sweet, but no thank you. That's devastating to a guy. Horrible. I still feel it right now. And so, so that no is, is, is horrible. Now, some of you are going to star Advent Health um, uh, um, students that are interning right now. You're going to want a job one of these days. And what if you go there and you interview, and some of your older people have had numerous jobs and you've interviewed numerous jobs. What does it feel like when you get that email? Hey, we're going to go a different direction. It just wasn't a good fit. In other words, it's no. Doesn't feel good, does it? Now think about this. This one's a tough one. Has God ever told you no? Has God ever told you no? Has God ever derailed your five year plan? And He closed doors to opportunity. And he put up roadblocks. Has God ever said no? It can be painful. It can be devastating. It can be confusing. It could lead to a faith crisis. How many prayers have God, have you prayed to God and they have gone unanswered? Think about what you've been praying for the last two months, three years, four years, and they've gone unanswered. And most of us assume that if God doesn't answer that prayer exactly how we're praying it, it's God's way of saying no. And here's one of the reasons why. There are verses that seem to indicate that whatever you ask for in faith, you will, come on, who's, you will receive. Whatever you ask for in faith, you will receive. You know your Bible. It's Mark chapter 11, Matthew chapter 21. And if you isolate those couple of verses and you build your life and theology and your prayer life around those couple of verses, it can be faith-shattering when things don't happen as you anticipated. Faith-shattering. Because God said no. And you think that that was a no. God, why didn't I get that job? It would, have, it would have changed everything. Why didn't I get that job? Or God, I really thought that he was the one. I re- he was so romantic. I really thought he was the one. What should our response be when there's a roadblock in our plans, when the doors close, 
when God says no? What should our response be? What is our response when there is a major unplanned redirection of our lives? And so we're going to open up the Word of God, and we're going to look at the early church in action. And there is a lot of lessons that you can pull from this story that can parallel our stories today. Because when God says no, there is a proper response. And if you reflect the response of the followers of Jesus in the early church as they were the church in action, you will start to see, huh, have I responded that way? Maybe I should process this a little bit when there is something that comes into my life and derails my plans. So we're going to look at that. Paul was on his second, give you a little background here, he's on his second missionary journey and he's headed to the north. He's headed to Asia. And understand, Paul was meticulous, he was strategic, he was calculated, and he knew where he wanted to go to grow God's kingdom. He was strategic in that, that process, and he, it's almost as if he knew, did the demographic work and knowing the areas and the regions, he said, this is where the gospel needs to land and be told. So Paul refused to be distracted. He was laser-focused on his call to spread the gospel. And we start in Acts chapter 16, verse 6. It'll be up on the screen. You can also bring it up on your phone if you want, as long as you don't go to Snapchat. It says this, Paul and his companions, who were his companions? At the time, it was, it was Paul himself, Timothy, and Silas, and a little guy that was journaling everything that happened named Luke, which is the author of the book that we're reading. So that was his companions when you hear um, Paul and his companions. They traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having, listen carefully, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching. Having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit, that is a roadblock. That is a redirection. That is a big nope, no, not at this time. So the Holy Spirit blocked Paul's plans. And the question is, is why would the Holy Spirit prevent them from the Holy Spirit's mission. Well, if that's not confusing enough, let's read verse 7 and get a little bit more confused together. Verse 7 says, When they came to the border of Mycenae, they redirected themselves. And, and Paul, again, being strategic, said, Okay, well, we're on the way here. Let's, let's go past Mycenae. So they went to the border of Mycenae, and they tried to enter Bithynia. But the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. Twice in the first two verses that we've read, God says no. So, what did they do? Paul, again, strategic in thinking, says, okay then, we got this. Let's redirect, 
And let's head over to this city of Troas. Verse 8. So they passed by Mycenae and went down to Troas. Now, a little bit of background. Again, Paul's strategic. He's thinking, okay, Troas. Troas, geographic background is this. It was pretty populated, large populated city. It it had a man-made harbor. In our terms, it's sort of like an international airport moving into a city. So what does a small city, what happens to a small city when an international airport moves in? It starts to grow. It starts to expand. So Paul and his strategic thinking is, ah, this is a great place to go. Let's go to Troas. However, the Holy Spirit was not leading Paul and his team to plant a church in Troas. Well, how do I know that? I'll tell you here in a minute. God tells them no. They're there for less than 24 hours. See, if this were me, I'm frustrated. I'm frustrated at all of these no's. God, I'm doing your work. I'm making all the right decisions. I'm going to the most strategic cities to share your gospel. Why do we keep on getting blindsided? You ever had that conversation with God? Well, while they were in Troas, Paul had a vision. It was a night vision. Now, I personally don't think I've ever had a vision from the Lord. I think it'd be pretty cool, but I've never had one. And we do know that um, in the last days, old men will dream dreams, young men will what? Have visions. And so we think that that's just Bible stuff and New Testament stuff. And I have a strong belief that there are people on earth that God still gives those dreams and visions to. And call me kooky or whatever, but it doesn't say we, we don't. And it doesn't say it, it stopped at any point in the time of history. And, and so this night vision comes to Paul, and I don't know if he's awake during it, I don't know if he's asleep during it, if he was asleep during it, we'd call it a dream. So in verse 9, it says, during the night, Paul trying to get some sleep, has the Lord ever woken you up before? Paul tries to get some sleep, night vision comes, and he sees in this vision a man of Macedonia standing there. And verse 9 says, come over to Macedonia and help us. That word help is interesting. It has a real sense of desperate urgency attached to the meaning of the word help. You pull that out of the Greek. Juan has all of his Greek still memorized from school. I have to look it up and study it. So it was no coincidence that God said no three times and they just happened to be in Troas because Troas provided the main sea access, again, an international airport, right into Macedonia where God was calling them. So how did Paul, again, we're asking, how do you respond to God's no's? So how did Paul respond and his companions respond to three knows verse 16 I mean chapter 16 verse 10 says this after Paul 
had the vision. We got ready, what's the word? At, at once, immediately. How do you respond to God's no? They responded immediately. They heard the answer, and they responded immediately when they heard the answer. When God says, this is the direction, this is the purpose, this is where you will go. So at once, we got ready to leave Macedonia, so they knocked on the captain's door of the ship, and they said, let's go. We know where we're going. We know the coordinates of where God's leading us. And then concluding, meaning that the whole group concluded that this was of God. It wasn't an isolated Paul saying, we need to go here. It was the whole group said, yes, this is where the Lord wants us to go. Concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to the Macedonians. And without delay, the team determined to go where God had called them, without delay, without argument, without negotiating with God, like I do sometimes. Verse 12 says that from there we traveled to Philippi, which was a Roman colony and the leading city of that district of Macedonia. So they're in Macedonia, and that would be like a county, and then the city in that county was Philippi. And it says that they stayed there for several days. So this feels good. God's not blocking us. I think this might be it. So what do they do next? Verse 13, it says, is on the Sabbath day, we went out the city gate at to the river, where we expected to find a place of prayer. Evidently, um, in Philippi, they did not have a formal synagogue. Paul traditionally in cities that had synagogues, he would go there first and he would preach the gospel to Jews. But this city didn't have a synagogue. Well, what makes a city have a synagogue? Here's a weird Jewish rule. If you had 10 men, sorry women, if you had 10 men that were Jewish, they would resurrect a synagogue. And all you needed was 10 men. So apparent, there was apparent absence of a synagogue seems to indicate that there was a sparse Jewish population in Philippi. So no Jewish background there. No Jewish uh, baggage either. And so they go and they look and they find a place and they sit down and they find a group of women to speak to and in verse the second part of verse 13 says this we sat down and we began to speak to the women who had gathered there don't know where there was there's a bunch of women there and they're hanging out with the women preaching the gospel one of those listening that word is really clever word in greek too there's really no way of bringing that out the only way of saying it is that they were listening intently. Like, you're talking to me, and I'm like, man, I'm just taking everything in. Yeah, yeah, I, oh, mm-hmm. And I'm, I mean, listening intently is the only way to describe the word listening here. And so, so one of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira. Her name was Lydia. It's a beautiful name. 
a dealer in purple cloth. Now, purple cloth was a royal color. So Lydia was a dealer to the house of Gucci. She was a dealer to Versace. She was a dealer to Armani. And that was who she created these royal colored um, cloths for them to design for royal families. So she was a pretty wealthy, well-to-do woman and a businesswoman at that. So that's who, who they're talking to. And so the next description in verse 14 of, of Lydia is that it says that she was a worshiper of God. Now, I don't know where she became a worshiper of God. We don't have that history, but she was a worshiper of God, and she was one who was lasered into Paul and what he was saying about the story of Jesus when he was sharing the gospel. And there was something there. She was ready. I'm listening. I'm hearing this. This is amazing. So she's listening intently. And she was a worshiper of God. And the Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. To respond to the gospel story. So while Lydia opened her ears and listened intently to the story of Jesus, it was God's doing that opened her heart in the timing that God made sometime in history. So sometime in the history of the universe, God said, Lydia will hear the gospel at this time because her heart will be ready. That word opened is so amazing. That word opened is, is to open wide, to open completely. You know, lately we've been getting a lot of knocks on our doors. Knock, 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 you know. And I live in a neighborhood, I don't, I don't live in a bougie neighborhood where it's gated, but I live in a neighborhood where there's a sign that says what to people who want to knock on doors and sell stuff? No soliciting. No one obeys those laws. And I don't know if it's a law, but it's a sign, Right? So no soliciting is supposed to scare people away. It doesn't scare away the solar people. When they want to sell you solar, it doesn't scare them away. So all summer, knock, 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 knock. Hi. And when I open my door and they come, I go, and I, you know, my dog's part deaf right now, so he can't really, used to be all vicious and bark, but it doesn't do that. And so I'm pretending, move away. I, ha I have a mean dog, sorry. Move away. Jack's on the other side of the house. And, and, and so I only open up a part, part way. But man, if I have somebody like my friend Jason come over to the house, and I see him pulling up in the driveway, and he's got, he's got a dozen donuts that he's going to gift his favorite friend and pastor, and he's coming to the door, I'm kicking that door open. I'm like, hey, buddy, come on in. That's the descriptive word of that God at his timing will open up the heart of those that are ready to listen. So don't be discouraged when you're sharing the gospel story to somebody and they're not ready for it or they shut you down. Don't be discouraged. It's in God's time. You're not, it's not your job to open their heart. It's God's job. It's God's job. We just love them and keep loving. 
and keep sharing the story and keep living the gospel. That's what we're called to do. So in verse 15, what happened as a result to this? Listening and opening of the heart. Verse 15 says this. When she and the members of her household, okay, when Lydia and everybody that was in her household, that means all of her employees, her servants, and her family. So when she and the members of her household were baptized, that's awesome, she invited us into her home. She says, come to, come to my home. And she says, if you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And the word says, and she persuaded us. So Lydia's con- conversion and baptism had implications to her family and her servants and her employees because she chose to follow Jesus and those that were closest around her saw that and wanted it as well. See, the influence... If you, so if you're a follower of Jesus, okay? So the, here's just an assumption. I'm just guessing that you all are Christians, I, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming, not guessing, I'm assuming that you all are Christians, which means you're a follower of Jesus, okay? Because you're at church. It's kind of, it, it would be kind of cool if we had non-believers here. It'd be awesome. It might not be the first place that you should invite them, but, because they'll think this whole thing is weird. But as you become a believer and a follower of Jesus, you should be absolutely contagious with the love of Jesus, you should have radical love for those around you. I mean, in your workplace, it doesn't matter if you're the boss, the manager, the grunt worker, I don't care where you're at, whoever those people are around you that are closest, they should identify you of saying, huh, that person must be a follower of Jesus. They are so different. They stand out. And the reason why you stand out It's not because of your belief system. This is what I believe. It is because you have Jesus so embedded in your life that you can't help but love everybody around you. (gasps) Even if they disagree with your political thoughts. (laughs) I don't want to go there too far. Because that's kind of volatile these days, apparently. So even if they don't agree with your politics, even if they don't have the lifestyle that you have, you are to love them relentlessly because in God's timing, there's going to be a space and time where God says, share your story. Talk about Jesus. And when that time comes, it's not you opening the heart. It's God opening the heart. Your job is just to have a passion for God. That's the first part of our vision at the Forest Lake Church. Passion for God. Next part is passion for people. And you are supposed to be so passionate about God that you can't help but be passionate for people that God places around you. 
And when you love radically like Jesus loved, people cannot help but say, huh, I really want to know this person. I really want to know their story. I want what that person has. And then at that moment, you open your mouth about the gospel. You open your mouth about your experience and your struggles with Jesus. You open your mouth about what Jesus has done for you. And that's all Paul was doing. He was telling his story. I was a murderer. I murdered Christians through our laws. I used our system of laws to murder Christians. I had pieces of paper to track down Christians and murder them. But now I'm one of them. And he would tell that story. And people would listen intently because it was in God's timing that he would open their hearts. Come on in, God. Come on in. Man, it's your job to love God passionately and to love people with that passion of Jesus. So Lydia's house became the gathering place for the church of Philippi. And it was all because of God's no. Because of God's no, Paul was able to share the gospel with Lydia and Lydia got baptized because of God's no. And because of God's no, every single member of her household also got baptized because of God's no. And if you read the rest of the chapter, because of God's no, just a couple more verses down, there was a girl that was demon-possessed. And because of God's no, Paul cast a demon out of this young girl. And because of God's no, if you continue to read down to chapter 16, Paul got thrown in jail. Well, that sort of stinks. But that was a reason. Paul and his companions got thrown in jail because of God's no. Guess what? The jailer got to know Jesus. And the jailer got baptized and so did his whole family because of God's no. God's no sometimes leads you to God's purpose. Because of God's no, great things can happen. So the church in Philippi, which would meet for the first time at Lydia's house, would arguably become Paul's favorite church, all because of God's no. See, it's not easy to hear no from God. Paul responded in faith and immediately chose to be obedient to God's call. And he did not hesitate, argue, or negotiate with God. But he listened and anticipated the Lord's leading. I don't understand why there's a roadblock here, Lord. I don't understand why I keep getting denied, Lord. But I'm listening intently to what you're trying to say. There's many of you here in this room that have monumental decisions that you're facing in the short years to come. A lot of you are going off to college and you're trying to figure out, well, what's my career? 
Maybe some of you are in a career change. Maybe some of you are changing colleges. Maybe some of you are looking for a spouse. Do not be shocked if God closes the door and puts up roadblocks along that journey of decisions. Because when a door closes, don't give up. Pay attention. Pay attention. Don't be discouraged. Pay attention. It might be a God no. Simply tell God this. God, I take it that you've closed the door of opportunity. Now show me what your plan is. Show me what your plan is. You embrace the no, you listen intently, and you follow his leading. I'm going to tell you a quick story. I'm going to try to be super quick, two minutes hopefully, of God telling me no. I was very young in college. I'm not going to give you a year because then there's nosy people that will try to figure out names and stuff. Oh, I wonder who he's talking about. Super young in college. And I'm journaling. I had just started journaling um, about a year in. And um, I was pursuing God with my whole heart. And I started journaling and I started praying for a godly wife. It's like, Lord, give me a woman of God. Let me find a woman of God. And, you know, we all have our checklists of different things. That's a mistake. But we have all these checklists of, oh, this is the kind of man I want, and this kind of girl I want. And you just kind of have these expectations sometimes. My biggest one was, I want a woman of God. And I remember praying through that, and, and this is, I looked in my journal. I had to go up into my attic and dig around. But this is what God put in my heart and I wrote it down so as I'm praying this God give me a woman of God God says the more focused you are on becoming a godly man the more prepared you will be when I give you a godly woman it's a prophetic statement I believe that God gave me for me Come focus on becoming a godly man so I can be prepared for when God gives me a godly woman. That played tricks on my head then, though, because every conversation I would have with a woman, I'd be like, God, is she the one? And a girl would laugh at my joke. Oh, God, is she the one? And I did. I started hanging out with a girl that was not Deborah. I didn't know her well. Calm down. I didn't know her yet. And uh, man, we, we, had, we prayed together. We talked about Jesus. We talked about our journey. I, I, I started, I, I went to my roommate and I said, hey, um, I almost said his name. Um, hey, roommate, uh, I think I'm going to ask, I think I'm going to ask her to be my girlfriend. 
dude, that's a mistake. What? No, that's a mistake. Nah, you don't understand, man. I, I'm, I'm having great conversations with her. She's so amazing. She's so awesome. And just a couple days later, when I was getting the courage, I, I, I started reading the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 1, there's this crazy thing. I think I've told this story before. At least my, my wife says, you've told that story before. And, and, and so in Acts chapter 1, Judas is dead. He committed suicide. They're replacing him with another disciple. But the way that they did that, they were praying like crazy. And they did this thing called drawing straws. And they like put names in a hat type of thing and prayed, Lord. So this is what I did in my head, in my logic. I was like, God, man, I'm going to be, I'm going to leave it all up to you. All up to you. And I'm going to get six pieces of paper, three no's and three yeses. I'm going to throw them in a hat, shake it up, and I'm going to pray. And I did. This is crazy, right? This is crazy how this works. Uh, this, guys, listen. This is just for me. Don't go playing this game unless the Lord tells you this is what you should do. Because it will become frustrating. So, so, yeah, I don't want people becoming mad at God because of what you... Um, this is not something I'm telling you to do. I'm just telling you my story. <laughs> so I shook this hat up. Pray the Lord. First piece of paper I pulled out. What did you think it said? What? said no and what did I do stomp my foot come on God what I was upset I'm gonna do it again so I was stubborn that way Deborah will tell you that it takes a few times to say something to me before I'm obedient and so I pull out again what do you think it said again what do you think it said the third time because I did it a third time it said yes because sometimes when you get something so hard and far into your brain and you think that this is it, you know better than God. And God will say, okay, you'll have to learn the lesson a different way. Go on. Long story short, disaster. I should have listened to God's no. I should have trusted that. And for a year and a half, I remember this statement. The more focused you are on becoming a godly man, the more prepared you will be when I send you a godly woman. And I go to a class. A year and a half later, I go to this class. Deborah sits right in front of me. And I know her, and I know the family. And she's like the prettiest girl in school. I was like, she's way out of my league. And, and we're supposed to choose partners in that class. And um, all my friends that sat around us played a game. And when we were choosing, okay, t professor says, Dr. Egbert, go choose your partners. All my friends go, pew, take off. And it's just Deborah and I sitting in a huge room. I'm like, I guess we're partners. And I wasn't thinking anything of it. All I was thinking about is, this, is, is focusing on becoming a godly man. That was a year and a half journey, a year and a half of frustration, a year and a half of questioning God, a year and a half of just wondering. Long story short, I tricked her into marrying me. And um, I'll tell you one quick little more funny story. I know your t tummies are growling, but, but part of that class was you had a stack of questions like this big, and you had to go through those questions as sort of a counseling, interviewing type of thing. And I thought in my head, I'm like, hmm, hey, do you want to do our next... Um, little 
class project at a restaurant? And she's like, yeah, sure. And um, you can confirm this with her. I'm not lying. She has three sisters, every single one of them crazy. Three sisters. And, and, and she goes and she tells her three sisters, she says, he's asking me to go do this project at a restaurant and I hope he doesn't get the wrong idea. Okay, I found this out later. So we go to the restaurant, we do the project and she comes back. I should have her come up and tell, tell you herself. She comes back. She goes to her sisters and she says, I hope he does get the wrong idea. But God knew in his timing, he told me no, I had to learn the stupid way because I went my own way and it was painful, guys. I don't want to make that a light thing, it is painful. But God eventually kept pushing me and saying, focus on becoming a man of God. And I had to trust that process. And I'm married to an incredible, godly woman because of God's no. It's a journey and it's hard. And I know many of you have been told no for a while on things that you've been prayed for. Embrace the no listen intently and follow his leading. Father God, in this moment, I pray that you will bring peace because sometimes when you say no, it feels like a hurricane. Give us the faith to embrace your no, to listen intently and be patient for your timing and your call to whatever purpose you have for us. In the name of Jesus.